Cynic Empowerment. Welcome everyone. This is Cynic Empowerment. My name is Jimmy Horn. And I'm Tim Carpenter. Welcome everyone. Oof, well, we need to take a little bit of a break. Yeah. You know, pump pump the brakes a little bit. Right. We've uh, we've been going on to some really dark and disturbing subjects of late, so we decided we would do a a light a light topic so that right. way you the listeners can be relinquished from all of the negativity we have been lumping onto it, you. It's hard it's hard for us too, you know, like having to uh, research these heavy, heavy topics day in and day out. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Nope. That's for sure. Not at all. So we decided we would talk about um, a little bit of an upbeat, a happy subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, how would we go about it? You know, what do we even decide on, right? Uh, so we look around. Right. Uh, we and got uh, a dartboard. Just list, listed, <laughs> you know, all all of the most enjoyable topics that any any normal human being would like to talk about in their yep, free time. And then we and then we remember that. Uh, you clicked on this episode, so you probably know the title already. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about a genocide. Not any old side, a geno. It is the essential uh, murder of the defenseless victim of a particular ethnicity. It is the fantastical destruction of the human race. The one, the only, a genocide. So when you say fantastical, I think about like dragons <laughs> and unicorns and fantastical genocide by elves. unicorns would be the worst way to go. <laughs> I, uh, that's arguable. Well, I mean, like getting like just like gored by a single horn, you die out over the course of like I don't know hours, maybe even days, if it got you in like a non-essential part of your body, like just getting stabbed through the knee. By a unicorn horn. That's fair, but at least you'd have a story to tell. Oh, oh yeah, like that, the guy on Skyrim that's always like, I used to be an adventurer once, and then I took a unicorn horn to the knee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever that accent just happened. That guy. It's his accent. I, it's like a combination <laughs> of like some kind of weird Nordic thing, which, <laughs> hey, it's those Nordic guys and trying to commit genocide. I don't know. Mainly just like people claiming to be Nordic or people like trying to recognize a Nordic ideal. Anyways, let's set some ground rules for this episode. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, think, I agree. I think that's important with this. I stuff. think uh, most most people understand genocide to be most apparent in uh, a few particular times in history. Most notably right. in the 1940s. I think you guys know where I'm headed with this. That's the Holocaust. Right. Yeah. Right. So we are going to veer away from the Holocaust. It is a, a, a very uh, morbidly fascinating and terrible, terrible, horrid subject. But I think that that deserves an episode all of its own. So in the future, if you guys are interested enough... <laughs> if, if you just love the shit out of this episode, <laughs> you want some more genocide, feel free to send us an email at cynicempowerment at gmail.com, and we'll be more than happy to supply you with more genocide-themed subjects. That's right. There is a shit ton of it, sadly to say. Genocide is one of those topics that just keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, you can go down a rabbit hole... And find 10 while you're trying to find out just exactly what was happening at these points in history. It's true. It's just it, – they, they all share the common theme that it's going to be a clusterfuck uh, and it's always fucking a certain ethnicity of people. It's true. You know? I think another good ground rule to make is that uh, you know everyone deals with sadness in different ways. Tim and I just happen to deal with sadness – by trying to laugh and making really dark, horrible jokes. So I just want to say, before we get started, that genocide is bad. (laughs) Tim and I recognize that genocide is bad. (laughs) We're not not trying to take enjoyment in the part of the victims of said genocides we will be discussing. So just just putting that out there. Yeah, we recognize it's a bad thing, and we're very condemning of the action. Like, don't get up on your your high moral horse and be like, "Oh, Timmy and Jimmy, we're making 
we're making jokes about genocide. It's like, well, yeah, it's kind of what we do. Like, yeah. just just kind of deal with it for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the first episode you're starting to list to, and maybe <laughs> good one to skip. Yeah, <laughs> if you're <laughs> yeah, not into that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna go through this subject just like we do many others that are very sad, very very cynically oriented. And we are going to try to deconstruct them, uh, tell you, our viewers, just how some of these things played out, make you as sad as we feel inside. And then at the end of it all, we're going to try to find this silver lining. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's not an easy job. That's right. And we usually don't even think about the silver lining until we ask each other that question by surprise at the end. Mm-hmm. So stick around. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's a hell of a ride. Okay, right. so let's get started. Let's get started. So yep. uh, let's begin with the definition of genocide. So genocide wasn't technically a thing, air quotes, until uh, 1948 uh, when it was defined by the UN Charter. Um, General Assembly, yeah. Okay. And so basically what happened is uh, people pushed saying that, hey, uh, because of the Holocaust, like this thing is so bad. This thing is so horrible. We can't just call it mass murder like this. This this thing needs to have its own specific name so that way in the future we can condemn it. uh, So that way, hopefully it'll never happen again. Did that work? Not necessarily. (laughs) um, But it has enabled powerful nations uh, up since 1948 to today to intervene in uh, countries' domestic uh, issues uh, on the basis of preventing genocide. So, you hear me making my noise? Because that's, that's really apparent because I think genocide is labeled just as such so that these countries can avoid talking about it so that they don't have to intervene, as we will find out later. That's fair, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true, because, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a safe word, right? As long as no one uses the big old G word, no one has to get involved. That's right. Uh, so yeah, what what is that? What is that definition? Uh, do you do you have it brought up? That definition is to the attempt to destroy in part or in whole a type of people. I don't I don't have it pulled up. I just try to riff off the top of my head. Do you have it up? Well, and I, yeah, I, I've got it right here. So okay, this you is, read it. This is from the uh, the Convention on the Prevention. Uh, and punishment of the crime of genocide, or the CPPCG, mm-hmm. and was adopted by the UN General Assembly on the 9th of December, 1948, came into effect on the 12th of January, 1951, and says, Any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy, in whole or in part, a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group as such, killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, so that's it. That encompasses all. Well, that's 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 it. As in, like that is, <laughs> is the whole of the definition. I know. I'm just. Kidding. It encompasses a lot, you know. Yeah. So we have uh, we have intent to destroy. So there is a prejudice there, right? You mm-hmm. have to have intent. There has to be forethought, just like with many other crimes, and especially uh, you know important to most homicide cases, mm-hmm. you have to have that culpability that results from the forethought of the action. You have to be thinking uh, that there is some type of hatred behind it. There is some type of plan mm-hmm. that ultimately results in the act. Right. right. So, right. You can't inadvertently commit genocide. Like if some freak, which, you no, know, 
You're like, whoopsies, yeah, some freak accident happens where you wipe out, like, a million people, but there was no intent behind it. That's not genocide. It's it's the the desire and the will and the effort to try to erase, in part or whole, a people. Yeah, it, well, and it defined as a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group. So it's specific. Uh, and I think you'll find that a lot of times... Uh, those things will kind of intermesh and you'll find multiple instances of like, like for example, uh, a, a racial group that also has a particular religious affiliation mm-hmm. um, or, you know, an, uh, I, I guess, I mean, the, the, the difference between ethnical and racial is, is kind of ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, various studies of thought define them separately, but all in all, I, I think that, uh, when you exact genocide on a particular group, the group is able to define within the parameters what their community is mm-hmm. and therefore what type of ethnicity they are. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. So now that we have genocide as defined by the big old UN rule book that they they keep yep. it in, yep. um, let's, let's talk about some let's examples. Jump. So... Yep. Tim, you you got you got batter up first. Yeah, we got a couple, uh, and like we already said, we're we're going to veer away from the Holocaust since that is one of the most prolific examples of genocide because we believe you, our viewers, are very well studied and mm-hmm. have probably heard of the Holocaust at some point in your lives. So yeah. we're going to talk about some lesser known examples. Uh, Jimmy's actually going to be discussing uh, one of the more contemporary examples, uh, but let's start way, way back in the late 1940s. Uh, now, the Colombian genocide uh, is not something that is readily accessible in most history books. Uh, the reason being because all of the information or, or the majority of the information about it uh, has since been destroyed, uh, altered, or comes from one of the two parties that was involved in the conflict, uh, which it is probably better mentioned as throughout history. So the Colombian conflict uh, began uh, because of this struggle between two political classes. Uh, most of the uh, the summaries that I have read uh, have uh, defined them as a conservative and liberal party. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty easy to understand. We as Americans also have kind of a conservative and liberal party within our Republican and Democratic parties. Uh, so that is something that, that I don't think it needs any further explaining. Mm-hmm. But what happened here, uh, a lot of the conservatives had been in power for a, a substantial amount of time. Uh, and were supported by many of the institutions in Colombia, which happened to be uh, a majority Catholic group of people. Mm-hmm. So taking religion as one of the tenets that it used in order to maintain its power, mm-hmm. it would steadily suppress the opposition through through the maintenance of its aristocracy am i making sense here jimmy do do you know do you follow are you following me i i think so i think so you got this conservative group that is using religion to justify their means uh and they're in the places of power within the government they're using religion as a basis to justify the things that they do as am i is that track with what you're trying to say yeah yeah you've got it so the conflict begins whenever the majority of people end up supporting one of the liberal candidates for the presidency and this guy's name is Jorge Alasir Gaitan I hope I'm Gaitan Gaitan I think is his name and this guy is a, a man of the people, like extremely popular. As I just said, the majority supports him for the presidency. And on April 9th, 1948, guess what happens to this guy? Gets assassinated. He gets assassinated. That is- How did I know that? I did not research it. Seriously, I didn't research it. Well, no, no, no. It, 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 yes, that's, that's how most conflicts begin, right? Like you have somebody that's supported by the majority, and this guy is going to upset the establishment, uh, the especially one of an aristocracy that's just like uh, crushing these these 
poor peoples that are being divided by the fact that these rich fucks think they know what is best for them, but in actuality, you know, they're living in poverty. They're, uh, they're, they're not happy. (laughs) Yeah. in, In an effort to try to have a say in the government, they support this guy. And as a result, he gets assassinated. Uh, so that's Boo. right. Yeah, it's it's pretty shitty. So that starts this uh, this um, series of riots uh, that lasts for quite a while, ends up killing about 5000 people. Uh, and uh, you can actually search this up. Uh, it's called the the Bogotago or no Bog- okay. Bogotazo Bogotazo riots. Uh in basically Colombia, a lot of the large cities were set on fire. Uh, these people were very upset, and rightfully so, because right. the only voice that they were going to have to be able to represent them in their national government had just been taken away from them. Uh, mm-hmm. So this begins uh, a period in Colombian history called La Valencia, which I don't think anybody needs to know Spanish in order to understand. Hmm, let's think here. What, the, uh, the violets. Here. The violets. Everyone had violet flowers, yeah. and they would put them on their window seals because they were sad that their champion of human rights and uh, political activism was dead. So everyone just kept violets yes. on their window seals <laughs> to mourn the loss of their potential leader. Did, did I get that right? Uh, yeah, dead on, Jimmy. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. The liberal and conservative parties uh, are going to struggle throughout the course of this period. For 10 years, uh, the conservative party is going to uh, suppress the liberals, uh, mainly in the countryside, these rural areas of Colombia. Uh, and there are even some instances of course, purported by some of these liberal institutions that ministers with ministers, uh, priests, uh, high ranking officials within the Catholic Mm -hmm. church were actually encouraging attacks, uh, against some of the liberal political affiliators within these rural areas. So it's like a fatwa. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, some type of, uh, religious, uh, a militant uprising, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over this period of time, uh, many, many people die. Let me see if I have an exact number for you. Uh, so uh, the the numbers are at least two hundred thousand. Uh, so that is a, a that's a big number. That, and okay, so I think this is a good time to talk about that. So I don't I don't really understand. The number 200,000, I don't really understand the number of 1,000, especially when it comes to the commodity of life. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people, a lot of yeah. in, in, in this in this particular genocide, in other genocides, like it's just it's fascinating just how quickly these numbers can add up and, and just mm-hmm. how quickly people can rattle off these statistics. And, 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 you know, with just, I don't know, with, without consequence. There's like a, there's like, what's the saying? It's like the loss of one life is a tragedy. Like the loss of like a thousand lives is a statistic. It's like, are you familiar with that saying? Yeah. Well, I, I am uh, to a degree, but I don't know who exactly said it. Yeah. I don't know either, but it's true though. Once you start getting all these numbers, you stop thinking about the, the tragic loss of like an individual human being and you're just start thinking in number land. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they literally become numbers. Uh, but then you have to keep in mind that each tick in that amount, uh, equates to what you are living here. Like, you know, you're a person, if you die right. in one of these genocides, like you would equal one. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just fascinating. Uh, Anyways, uh, to, to, to sum this up, um, about uh, three years into this, uh, or well, actually it would have been, so if it started in 1948, it would have been two years after, we have this guy named Loreno Gomez, uh, okay. who 
was actually a conservative uh, representative, uh, mm-hmm. and he is all about this idea of fascism. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, right? Uh, it's a fun word. And what's actually uh, what's actually funny about this, if anything <laughs> about it, <laughs> Sorry. is that okay. – uh, about three years later, after this guy has tried to institutionalize these fascist ideologies, uh, Gustavo mm-hmm. Ropas Pinalan, or Pinayan, I guess, because mm-hmm. it's Spanish, right, uh, attempts to uh, uh, appeal to these populist ideals after performing a military coup, uh, which okay. is one of the th- – actually, I think – it might be the lone military coup that happened in the 20th century. Uh, wow. So, I mean, that is, that's very relevant. 1953. Uh, remember that for your, your history books, right? Uh, so he uh, promises to end La Valencia, which at this point has become a way of life for a lot of people. It's been happening for five years. Like, yeah, it's essentially the uh, you know if 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 you're a, a millennial and listening to this, it's very similar to the war in Afghanistan or mm-hmm. you know the wars that have been happening in the Middle East, the oil wars. <laughs> yeah, they just they they seem to have no end. Like the the occupation of these conservative groups in Colombia in the early 1950s had you know it it was able to be twisted by these government officials as platforms. They were able to say like, hey, you know, like you experience all of this violence from a day to day basis and I promise you an end to it. So elect me as an official. Like it's a simple, yeah. you know, like clean water right. or something like that. Yeah, right. And then the violence keeps happening and they can say, hey, the violence is still happening. You got to elect me if you want to stop it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's fear mongering. It's like what Trump's doing. Uh, but Let's not get into the zing. Yeah, ta ta ta. Gotcha. So this guy ends up flunking out big time. Not only uh, it was four years later that he managed to keep this charade up, and over the course of this time, he uh, Pania ends up promising a lot of things that he ends up not keeping, but also shows a reluctance to give up his power, which is bad, right? Whenever you have a military dictatorship, especially one that has been placed by a coup, mm-hmm. you, you really need to take a special note towards those types of individuals to ensure that they are not going to extend their stay uh, inevitably, right? Well, they, I mean, they've got the power. They, so, they do mean, have the power. They, they, so. so drastic measures have to be made. Uh, so Definitely. Enter right. Alberto Laris Compargo uh, in 1957. Is he going to coup the coup? He, not exactly. He's okay. He's actually going to band together with Loreno Gomez. You remember the fascist that we just talked about? Oh my. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm like face palming right now. Try. Okay. Please yeah. Yeah. Me. As you should. But you do what you have to do. Like if the option is. Okay. So if you. <laughs> the lesser of two evils, the enemy of my enemy, all of these things, all of these typical... Hey, this dude fucking used his military might to take over the government. Let's see, let's see, who could... Uh, hey, fascist Mc, McGin, McKinney, uh, come here, Mr. Mr. Fascist. Yeah, Larry, let, let us band together. He's a shithead, right? Like, we, we don't like this guy, but he's, he's a lot better than... Gustavo Ropas, and that's for sure. <laughs> like, we don't want a, a, a military dictatorship, so might as well Fair go enough. with the fascist guy, right? Right. It's pretty unfortunate. But even so, in 1957, we had the Declaration of Sitges, or S-I-T-G-E-S, I guess, Sitges? I don't know. Sitges? And this is a devised plan in order to share... Uh, government control over the course of the next 16 years. Now, it only lasts for 12, but the conservatives were going to take power first. And then, of course, you get into this shit show of like back and forths over the course of time. But most people end up recognizing that La Valencia actually ends in 1958. So one year after Alberto Leras Compargo and Loreno Gomez enter into the Declaration of Sitges. So you could say 
that that is the end of the Colombian genocide, although it does have far-reaching implications in terms of what happened to Colombian history after that point. Mm -hmm. Because in 1957, which is one year before the end of the the La Valencia, uh, Mm -hmm. Colombian coffee prices falter, (laughs) which is is pretty terrible like one year prior it, it might have actually had to do with the reason why la valencia ended because they recognized much in the same way that uh osmandius did in watchman <laughs> that okay des- i'm trying to see where you're going decimating with this. your economy having people band together in a utilitarian sense actually helps people avoid these political struggles or these silly differences and you know, helps them to to jump over these these big humanist uh, hurdles. Wouldn't you say, in a in a bigger sense, that not so much the economic, but the having the combined enemy of the guy that through the coup enabled the two sides to unite and <laughs> put aside the differences, right? Like he became the Doctor Manhattan. Oh, you're, you're talking about the uh, the guy who did the assassination. Wait, from what I understood, wasn't it? It was Coup McGee yeah. that threw oh. the coup, and then Gomez, then the and then the other guy yeah. had to unite with Gomez to overthrow Coup guy. I, and then I guess and then, but this guy's a piece of shit. I hate that guy. He, he is a piece of shit, but but they had to put aside their differences and <laughs> unite right to overthrow the other guy. So I would say, wouldn't isn't that like the underlining linchpin that good God made people put aside the differences right am i wrong perhaps perhaps like i mean maybe it's the coffee prices but maybe that's just like something that was coincidental i don't i don't know you know what let's give it to him thank you gustavo yeah thank you for all you did (laughs) i I mean i'm not saying he's a good guy but he he definitely he he made unlikely enemies put aside their differences to reconciliate with each other and be like, okay, maybe we should work together to, you know, yeah. get rid of this but fuckhead. I don't know if he necessarily planned it that way. No, but of course not. In a roundabout sense, way to go, man. Yeah. Like, he, he did it. A lot of historians, it's worth mentioning, that uh, this is, is cited, that La Valencia is cited as being one of the instances in Colombian history that caused Colombia to resort to narcotics trades. As being one of the chief exports. When did that? When did the narcotics trade start? That started well after, and I am not well versed enough in that particular subject. And all of the the cascading events that ultimately led to that, which would have been a, at least a decade later. Yeah, cause uh, I think about the '80s when I think of like cocaine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it and it it was. Let's see. Uh, 1962, 1967. Oh, yeah, it was well into the early 70s prior to any of that. But, you know, so maybe there's some unseen repercussions that caused them to be so reliant on that substance to make them make the money. But, yeah, I'm also not a historian in uh, Colombian uh, cocaine trade, so I couldn't say. Maybe. Well, you know what I am an expert in, though, Jimmy? What? The Myanmar nationality law. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I have. I know about the Myanmar nationality law. It's very important in uh, what we're going to talk about next. It's pretty fair. You think? (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You're still in my thunder. I didn't tell you about the... Are we segueing? Is that what we're getting to? Yeah. Okay, let's segue. So (laughs) we're we're taking off our... um, What's a traditional Colombian piece of like clothing or headgear or something i I know the sombrero i think is like more of a mexican thing what's a colombian thing do you know any um i don't know i'm trying Uh, to think of something distinctly colombian colombian headwear i don't know i don't know like uh i don't know it's it's a brand these days so it's really difficult to find anything that's like historically accurate so it's like Colombia. So, it's like Cabela's. You we're know? taking off our insert traditional Colombian headgear and putting on our Myanmar military beret. So, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. got him. Okay, so Myanmar. <laughs> so Myanmar used to be known as Burma. It is a country situated between India and China and Thailand. It's kind of in that whole schmix over in the southeast of 
Asia. And so it is a traditionally uh, Buddhist nation. And it's got a rich and storied history. So in Myanmar's defense, which used to be known as Burma, it was under colonial rule for many a decade. It's like from the eighteen mid-1800s till like 1948 or something like that. British? British colonial rule, yes. So almost 100 years under British colonial rule, uh, which still plays a major role in its modern-day constitution. And just to... And, and for a long, long time, uh, it was ruled exclusively by a, a, a militarized government with uh, no democratically elected rulers, which also played a major role in its early politics. And so the thing that Tim was bringing up was the Myanmar nationality law. And so the area in which uh, modern-day Myanmar inhabits has many different uh, nationalities and ethnicities and cultures of people living within it, even though it's not necessarily a very large nation. And in 1982, they're like, okay, so how are we going to decide who is in and who is out? Like, who who are we going to recognize as citizens within our borders, and who are we not going to recognize as citizens? So the government at the time, we're still talking uh, military government at this time, got together, sat around a, a big table, and they're like, all right, do I don't know what actual nationalities are in there, but right. but they're essentially just like going down the list. Like, are we going to let the Jews be citizens in our country? Yes or no? Yes, check. Right. So they did. Tell you what? I've got a I've got a list of ethnicities pulled up according to Google. Okay. Uh, of Myanmar. Okay. So you've got the the Lahu people. Lahu. So 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 when they got the Lahu, they're like Lahu in or out? In in check. In in uh Naga check. Naga people. Uh, how about cocaine? Check. Cocaine's good. Wah. Check. Wah people's good. Uh, Rakhine. Check. Rakhine people are good. Sean people. Check. Sure. Rohingya. Out. No. Absolutely no. not. Fuck no. X. Big no. X. No. Rohingyas are terrible. We hate them. We don't want them to belong. Blech. Pretty much. Yeah. So there were. So on the list of nationalities and ethnicities allowed, there was 135. They're like, yeah, you're cool. Why don't you be part of our country? And when they got to the Rohingya people, they're like, not only no, but hell no. And we're also not going to acknowledge that they refer to themselves as Rohingyas, which is a a pretty typical thing to do when you want to uh, abuse a group of people is to not recognize that they exist, which is what Myanmar, the Burmese government has been doing for since forever so just to go a little yep. background on the rohingya people the rohingya people have lived in uh what is modernly known as uh rakhine state it's like this western province of myanmar since the uh 15th century so these people have been documented to have lived there for hundreds of hundreds of years and to add a religious element to that, they are traditionally an Islamic people. So that there's a group of Muslims that have been living in this Western province. I think that's the important aspect to, to take away from this. It's like they, they might recognize themselves as the Rohingya people, but more importantly, they are Muslim in a predominantly Buddhist country. Yeah. So you you can you can see the difference here. Yeah, well, you got Buddhists here, you've got uh, Muslims here, and they don't want to intermix. No, they don't. And uh, just briefly to talk about the fact that they're Muslim, I watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos because uh, this is a modern epidemic. You can type in Rohingya, Rohingya genocide, Rohingya uh, in a lot of different ways into YouTube and get a lot of good modern reporting talking about this atrocity that you right. won't hear about in I, I mean CEN talked about it like once but it's like with the modern news cycle like if you you're not going to hear about it on a regular basis and to give you an idea of how important this is in the contemporary sense actors are still talking about this <laughs> like there are a bunch yeah, of actors true. that have taken this as their own like special little pilgrimage and they're like talking about like all the evils that are going in Myanmar so yeah well, sometimes I think actors can go shove it up their butts. I'm glad that they're standing for something good for once. <laughs> I'm glad that they're talking yeah, about this. It's, Still, it's like important. every time I bring up a YouTube video and they're like, oh, it's like, oh, this is uh, uh, something about the Myanmar National Law or Aung San Suu Kyi. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, tell me what you think about her. And then it ends up being like fucking, I don't know, like 
Kristen Stewart or something, you know, I'm just like, fuck off. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't like, care, about I don't care what you're talking about. You could be making perfect sense, but I don't care that you're an actor. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. I just want you to shut up and play your football. Wait, Kristen Stewart doesn't play football? Damn it. I wish she did, though. I bet she'd be like a hell of a punter. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Why not? Yes, and. (laughs) So, (laughs) god damn it. Uh, So, yeah, so the nationality law doesn't recognize them. Uh, They've been there for a long time. And uh, and with the, so we're going to be talking about uh, this violence against the Rohingya people. This isn't like a new thing. Like, like, there has been organized violence against this group of people. Many, many a time uh, within the last hundred years and even before. And you have like these really fucked up military operations with really fun names. Uh, One example, I'm not going to go with all of them, but what I'm going to talk about is the uh, Operation Clean and Beautiful Nation, which is just a really cringy, awful name in itself. And this happened uh, between 1991 and 1992. And sounds real Holocaust. It sounds super Holocaust. It's like, what do you mean, clean and beautiful? Like, are we like, are we going to like everyone going to go outside and pick up one piece of trash, and then our country will be clean? It's like. That's right. Kind of, except for everybody does their part. <laughs> except for the trash is the Rohingya, and um, the trash it, can is yeah. Bangladesh. Put them in the <laughs> trash can. That is Bangladesh. Yep. So Bangladesh, uh, from what I understand, is a primarily Muslim country. So uh, for yeah, pretty much for the last forever, Myanmar has been trying to like just slowly push them across the border and hope that they never come back. But it hasn't worked. Even though they've violently tried to expel them multiple times, yeah, and and have massacred in many instances massacred populations of Rohingya. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's fucked up. It's so fucked up. Yeah. And, and like, so like the atrocities are, you know, the burning of villages, the raping of women, the slaughter of children and men and women yep. wholesale. Yeah. So if we go back to our definition of what genocide is. <laughs> yeah. It fits. It fits. At, right. So yeah, within this, the uh, Myanmar uh, militarized government is leading a campaign to kill the so if the the ethnicity is the Rohingya and the religion is Muslims living on their western border uh, ultimately they don't want them there and like and so I've watched a lot of videos of top military officials and government officials of Myanmar. Uh, talking about it because uh, reporters have been able to get access to these people and like ask them and so they'll they'll go to him be like so um what what's your stance on the on the violence on the rohingya people in the rakhine state and they'll be like well first off uh we don't there is no rohingya people let's let's blatantly say that they don't recognize them as people like the so first so that's what that's usually the first stance they'll tell you that they don't exist and then when you bring up like well but we went to the site of x y and z village to see and it was completely burned to the ground uh did you see the smoke from from the village went burned it was like um i spend a lot of time in my office working because i'm a military official and i work so i did not see any smoke it's just this this blatant just denial and so how much do you know about Aung san suchi who is the uh, democratically elected leader of myanmar well i happen to know that she is a nobel <laughs> peace prize winner she she is yeah she won it in 1991 <laughs> uh i feel like maybe that is misplaced <laughs> I also know that uh, she is uh, the daughter of what is essentially the founder of Myanmar's military, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, hmm. I mean, you know, apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Aung San Suu Kyi as an individual is very interesting because, so she's... Uh, they're um, Myanmar's uh, democratically elected leader. So even though they have democratic elected leaders, the military still doesn't have any oversight from their democratically elected leaders. And they control like a quarter of the votes in their equivalent of what their Congress is. So they still have a lot of sway 
but there's no oversight on them, and it's kind of weird. Uh, and so the reason why Song An Su Chi won her Nobel Peace Prize is because uh, she has a long and rich history of being a descendant of the government back when it was 100% a military government uh, pushing for democracy, which, so, mm-hmm. which is why she got her, her Nobel Peace Prize. But, yeah. you know, her as a modern... But now she's the prime minister. Yeah, but yeah, so now she's a prime minister. She has power. And when people have asked her about the atrocities happening at Rock Island State, she's like, there's no there's no yeah. uh, mass violence over there. There's no proof of this. This is all, f- like, the equivalent of fake news. Like, Okay, yeah, in all seriousness, like, her rhetoric sounds very close to President Trump's. Like, yeah. it, it's, it, she just flat out denies mm-hmm. it. Like there, there's there's no discourse. No. Okay, so like it, it, um, let's see, let's see. There are instances. There was a 2013 interview with BBC's Michelle Hassan. Uh, Aung San Suu Kyi did not condemn violence against the Rohingya, Rohingya, mm-hmm. and denied that Muslims in Myanmar have been subject to ethnic cleansing. She did. She didn't. She condemned hate of any kind yep. in the interview yeah. as like kind of this general overarching thing. Well, she, it, she's been giving a lot of there's bad people on both sides speeches lately where, because yeah. So the most recent violence of what I would, if so, if we were going to talk about a modern day genocide, I would look to 2016. So in 2016, um, there yeah. was an attack by uh, Rohingya people on a, I guess it was like a military base or something like that, or like some other, uh, yeah, I think it was a military base where essentially yeah. nine military guards were killed with knives, right? Because the Rohingyas are very poor people that that, that live in like, you know, thatch mud shacks in uh, the province because, you know, when you're not recognized by the government, you're not getting a lot of government support to go find a job. And so somehow the killing of nine uh, military men uh, is justification for the death of thousands upon thousands of Rohingya people and the displacement of over a million. That's when they started burning the mosques as well. <sighs> yeah. There's uh, several instances of uh, mosque burnings in June and July. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, police were reported to be guarding the village of Hapkant in the Kachin state. And after failing to stop Buddhist villagers setting the mosque ablaze, a group of men destroyed a mosque in central Myanmar. A dispute over its construction. It, yeah, it, it's happened a couple of times. Yeah, like it, you know, this was a result of uh, of those attacks. Like, and 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 those attacks were a result of the persecution. It it never ends, and that's that's the problem with genocide, right? Like, it's always somebody throwing a stone, and then somebody throws a boulder, and then somebody throws a fucking atomic bomb. Right, and it just never ends. Yeah, it's yeah it it never ends <laughs> but obviously you got to think about uh appropriate and equal force right in these situations so uh-huh. right so you have like you know nine Myanmar military men that are dead right which is bad right no one's saying that's not bad but when you displace over a million people and now there are approximately 900,000 Rohingya Muslims in Bangladesh. And I don't know if you know this or not, Tim, but Bangladesh is not a country of a lot of resources. Like just a, like a million people that that they're already struggling to take care of their own are now like living in shacks like on the border and they can't go back to their country for fear of uh, violence to be enacted on them. And to make it even worse, the uh, Myanmar government uh, military has uh, placed landmines on the border if they decide they want to come back. Oh, no. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's just totally fucked. Now, Bangladesh is technically wealthier than Myanmar. I did not realize that. Yeah. So I mean, like, if it's two hundred and twenty-one point four billion USD, I mean, 
you know, according to the 2016 census, while Myanmar is 67.43. But you got to think about like the about the populations of each and how much how far that money gets to go per citizen, right? That's true. Bangladesh is quite a bit larger. Yeah. Than than Myanmar, so um, that is that's something good to note. But uh, even so, like they're they're displacing these people. Right. Like they just don't want them there. Yeah. They claim that they're immigrants that aren't wanted. Mm-hmm. Like what the yeah. fuck? Like, no. Like, leave them alone. Like, political borders, it's all bullshit, man. That would, that would be like if, if all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the United States was just like, all right, so uh, everyone in uh, Texas, you need to get the fuck out. You are all illegally trespassing on the United States. I don't know where you want to go, uh, but you can't come here. And since you're next to Mexico, why don't you just, the entire state of Texas, just... Go on across the border and just live on the border of Mexico because you're no longer wanted here. Yeah, it, it's pretty shitty. Um, I guess in recent news, air quotes, good things, encouraging things, is that uh, the UN is recognizing that this this is starting to look and smell a lot like genocide. And they went to do an investigation to try and alleviate the situation. But of course... Myanmar, it's not in their interest to have that kind of attention from the international community and are like, poo poo, no, 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 you can't come here. Um, <laughs> yep. What else? And then you got the UN Security Council, which I, I think technically could have the International C- Criminal Court uh, press charges against them. But what you have to realize is that China is a part of the International uh, Criminal Court. So they could just veto any actions against Myanmar and China and Myanmar are all buddy buddy. So I don't know, man. It's a really fucked up situation. Pretty complicated. And of course, whenever third parties get involved, it always complicates things because there's always somebody else's hand in the pot, right? Right. Uh, especially when it comes to these uh, these areas of military strategic importance, like mm-hmm. coastal regions. <laughs> You know, Navy is a thing, and uh, you can carry uh, a lot of firepower on ships. So don't forget about that gunboat diplomacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Do I have any answers for what can make this better? Well, my my most basic answer would be to have the Myanmar military stop burning down random villages. That's pretty cool. But then again, (laughs) they don't recognize that as being is happening so yeah it yeah it's 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 totally very infuriating once you you, you're made aware of these these issues by reading about it and then you know listening to these high up myanmar uh officials just tell bald-faced lies just saying no the not only like uh these are rohingyas don't exist and that didn't happen it's like what it's it's kind of but they do exist and it and it, it did, did happen. It did happen. Oh god. It's kind of like having a child that you recognize as like uh like a like a serial killer, right? Like, yeah. Like you you look at them and you're like, "Oh, it's my child. I love them so much. I want to make sure that they grow up to be happy adults, but if they kill so many people, what right. do you do?" It's like, like Billy, you know, why did you why did you set the cat on fire? I didn't set the cat on fire. Billy, the cat yeah. The it's cat on, is on fire. on fire. I can see it. It's on fire. How did it get on fire? I don't know. It's a match. You may have the match in your hand. It's right there. Yeah, it's right what? there, Billy. You're you're a fucking sociopath. So then you kill your child. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No. You just hope that the child stops setting cats on Pretty fire. Pretty much. I mean, that's what you do. You just like hope that people stop hating other people for their ethnic or religious differences. And, like, I don't I don't live in Myanmar. I'm not a Myanmar citizen. Yeah. Uh, but from the videos that I've seen, like, the, the Rohingya people are just kind of just hanging out, living in their own villages because they're, I don't know if it's institutionalized segregation or they've just chosen to because they're treated like shit by the Myanmar government. But, you know, they're just living in their villages, trying to live their own lives and stuff uh, separately from... Uh, the Myanmar people and the other Myanmar people, and it just doesn't make sense that I don't. I just don't get it. I never understand violence, uh, but in this case, it just it just seems like it'd be a lot easier just to let them live their lives than actively try to murder them. But what the fuck do I know? <sighs> That's right, Jimmy. What the fuck do we know? You know what? What the you know, fuck we, do we you know? know? We do know. And 
that we've had experience with thus far, we know how to find the silver lining. We know. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be the silver linings of all silver linings. I don't know how exactly to go about this, Jimmy. So in in our specific instances... Uh, there isn't a silver lining. I'm just going to say that. There's no silver lining within our specific instances. What I'm going to say the silver lining is about genocide is the fact that uh, in the 21st century and since the 20th century, we've had a definition for this horrendous, awful act. And because of this definition through the UN Charter, uh, the international community has not only the ability, but the responsibility to respond when the act of genocide happens. And so since we have this definition and these rules written in our UN Charter and other international law, uh, we can prevent it from happening. So so the good thing about genocide is that we can stop it. Uh, it's essentially where I'm going with this. And so hopefully the international community can pull their heads out of their ass and something can be done in order to stop the mass violence against Rohingya people so that way they can go back home to their country that they've lived in for the last forever and just live their fucking lives like all human beings should be entitled to yeah, do. It's, it's kind of like uh, going back to our, um, our epidemic episode. Uh, you know, you have to experience those terrible epidemics before you recognize a cure for it. And genocide certainly is one of those instances, except it, it takes place within the psychology of certain individuals, and it it becomes a meme uh, to which it just develops far beyond something that is just an individual thought. Instead, it becomes a, a way of life that just hates certain ethnicities or religious groups or races out of existence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you have – I think you have an excellent point. Uh <laughs> it's really hard because I feel, like, I feel like now it's my turn. Like I got to figure out something. You know what? I'm bigger, faster, stronger. You know, like genocide just kills all the weak people. And no, I don't fucking. Know. Alex Jones, is that you? I don't fucking know. I really don't know. <laughs> like this is this is one of those instances that I'm gonna. You know what? We each get one. I don't know if there is a silver lining for genocide. I think it's safe to say I do not know. <laughs> Fucking, you fucking pussy. Oh, I tell you what, like to all our listeners out there, you had no idea. Like this was, uh, this is one of those, this is one of those subjects that was really hard to research. Like I've, I've, I've definitely been on the verge of tears before, like researching some of these things before, but this one fucking did it. Like it was, it was really rough. Like recognizing just like the sheer hatred that some people can have. For someone else, just because they're different, just because yeah. it's the same thing, it represents all the reasons why I am cynical. Like, <laughs> I, yes, yeah, true. Is why we're doing the fa- this. Right. It's because the fa- like yeah, that. it's so true. The fact that these kinds of atrocities can happen. I think I've tried to say this fucking quote before, and I'm going to butcher it again. It's like, like inside every cynic is like, basically, essentially a, it's like a. A hurt little naive child. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Just, just how little I actually know about all of the atrocities that are going on in the modern day. Just do a quick Google search. Do yourself a favor. Say, uh, like, modern genocides. You know, something, something yeah. like that, and recognize just how many groups out there are being hated out of existence. Yeah, and yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's bad. It's horrible. It's sad. Uh, hopefully, you all listening learned something about this modern thing and if you're sad and you want to do something about it you can help by donating money to i believe there's a way to donate money to these uh bangladesh refugee camps on the border of uh, bangladesh and myanmar uh these refugee camps are the largest refugee camps in the world due to the a uh, vast number of people that had to uh, leave their home in Myanmar uh, in order to save their own lives. So I will try to... so far. 690,000. And that number is growing. Yes. Um, so it's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, yeah, if you, I'll try to find a link and put it in the show notes if you're interested in it. Or you could, I'm sure you could Google search and... Yep. 
find the appropriate places to uh, help them that's out. That's right. That, that's a lot of people to feed. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, I guess this is the part where we talk about what's making us sad outside of genocide. Uh, Tim, why are you sad? Oh, jeez. Well. Whatever you say is going to seem so fucking petty compared to what. Yeah. It's kind of like going after, like, you, you're in a talent show, and you're about to yeah. go, and then they're like, please welcome Elton John. And then you're like, right. wait, 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 what? Like, El- Elton John's in this random-ass community talent show, and he just, like, busts <laughs> out a fucking, like, awesome oldie everybody's like oh that's fucking cool. like i had no idea he still played and then you're just like god damn it and they're like welcome tim carpenter like no 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 <laughs> what's the deal with airline food <laughs> he's, doing, what the heck? he's doing his type five which turned into a type two because he forgot all of his stuff uh, uh what's making me sad what's making me sad oh geez i don't know it's it is all gonna seem petty uh okay so I'm like making armor, right? Like it's pretty dorky, but uh, I'm involved in the armor in Alexandria, uh, and uh, I'm trying to make this shit. And I try to rivet some stuff on my kitchen floor, and I put little pock marks in the uh, linoleum. Oh man, is it not removable? The pock marks? Oh no, they're there. <laughs> oh that. That's where the that's where they live now. That's 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 what it is until they change the floor. Yep. Damn. So I'm sad about pock marks because I riveted some stuff on Damn. them like an idiot. Do the rivets look sweet? Uh, some of them do. Yeah. Okay. Pretty okay. slow. Pretty slow going. <laughs> yeah, you'll get better. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> what about you, Jimmy? What are you sad about? Um, so my sadness is still somehow correlated with this subject. So you know how I told you I watched a lot of YouTube videos for this? Mm-hmm. I made a horrible mistake, Tim. Uh oh. I read YouTube comments for the first time in a long time. Oh, I love it. YouTube comments are the best. I n- n- no. So like I wa- <laughs> like, So I watched this like like 20 minute video i think it might have been by the bbc just talking about uh how horrible and awful this is right mm. got myself real sad real sad feeling real bad for the rohingya people and then i started reading the youtube comments and basically all the youtube comments went oh no this is fucking fake news the fucking rohingyas are just violent muslims and are liars because all muslims are liars and are violent and this is fake news this is totally one-sided trash all the muslims need to be eliminated in order to make all the stuff better and like i was like this is horrible surely the next comment will, like, be something uplifting to dispute what's being said. And it was just, like, an entire page of that. Like, I would, oh, well, maybe the next comment. No, more trash. Next comment, more trash. And I just, I read four or five until I had to scoop my eyes out off a spoon. And now Jimmy's blind. Yeah, like, I just don't understand. Like, that would that would be the equivalent of this, Tim. Like, let's say, like, YouTube existed when the uh, the Holocaust happened. And uh, someone and someone like was reporting on the Holocaust, right? And like, look at all these, you know, starving people that, you know, they were starved and gassed to death. And it was horrible. And this is awful. And you're like, this is awful. I feel really bad. I'm sad. Let me read some YouTube comments and be like, oh, you don't realize the Jews are evil. They had to kill the Jews. You're like, oh, God, what the fuck? Where am I? Like, that's like the equivalent of what it is. Like, it just doesn't. I don't understand how anyone could have watched that news story and, like, listen to the accounts of people that have, like, experienced the most horrible tragedies that we in our cushy Western lives can't even comprehend and just be like, fake news! I'm, I'm glad that you keep doing it because um, what else makes me sad is that your hate voice sounds like Hulk Hogan. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I, I was trying to do more of an Alex Jones, less of a... <laughs> Oh, it does sound kind of Alex Jonesy, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. This no, just keep it off Alex Jones. Yeah. No, don't, don't. No, Hulk Hogan. The, I think the he frogs might. Are turn, the water turning the frogs gay. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, more of that. Less uh, Hulk Hogan domestic violence, which I think is the thing. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm spreading fake news. Yep. Yay, fake news. Woo. Yeah, woo. empowerment. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> Let's see, what else do we have to talk about? Um, I guess this is when I tell you where you can email us if we uh, 
if you want to tell us how much you hated this episode. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe I'm not kidding. So you can email us at cynicempowerment at gmail.com. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook where you'll get updates when all our episodes come out. And you can message us there. And if you would like to download our episodes instead of streaming them, you can do that at iTunes and Stitcher. And if there is some other podcast listening uh, app you wish we were on, let us know and we'll be sure to add ourselves there. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Jimmy. It's been a yeah. pretty great episode. Really uplifting. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we recorded this one at night. That way I can uh, take all these thoughts with me as I go to bed. Yep, that's right. That's what I like to take to bed with me. Thoughts of genocide. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, keep your head up, and we will catch you next time. Yeah, keep your head up, everybody. Love your neighbor. Be, be nice. Love them. Hug someone of a different religious orientation than you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but be careful about asking. <laughs> Ask and then hug. Politely. <laughs>